Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Love your neighbor where you are, where you are going, and while you are on your way. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. We're doing a study on the parables of Jesus talking about kingdom come to earth, heaven come to earth. And we're starting, we did a little background uh, on our last podcast on the Good Samaritan, but we're going to dig into that parable right now. You know, sometimes you hear something so often or hear about it so much, you really miss the power of it. And I think that's true. You know, we get church eyes a little bit and our ears get dull. But let's talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Of course, there's four characters in it. So we need to know who those characters are and what they do. We know that we have the guy that's in the ditch, that's one character. We got the priest, that's one character. We got the Levite, that's another character. And then, of course, we have the Good Samaritan. So let's take a look at this. And, uh, you know, the question is asked, you know, if you examine this, why did Jesus uh, have a priest and a Levite? They're, they're very similar. A priest technically is a Levite. He's a teacher. The Levite is the doer. So that does bring up a, a great, interesting, you know, scenario. Jesus is painting a very good picture because he's trying to answer a pharisaical question, an entrapment question about who is my neighbor. And so that's why Jesus is giving this answer. And so he talks about them going on the road to Jerusalem. Where were they going? They were going to Jerusalem. That's the place where priests and Levites go to do their service, to go and do their religious bidding. That's in their context where you serve the Lord. So I think, number one, Jesus is saying, you don't have to wait till you're in a religious context to serve God. You love your neighbor where you're at, where you're going on your way. And by isolating the priest and the Levite, he kind of uh, tells them that the Levite just was doing what the priest taught him to do. Think about that. There was a priest, he went down and he he saw uh, the guy, you know, in verse 31, and he passed by another side. Likewise, when the Levite came to the place he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Uh, it doesn't say they crossed the street. They may have crossed the street, but it looks like, you know, maybe they were just on the other side. You, you know, there is a possibility here, too, that I don't think we consider a whole lot, and that is that the priest and Levite could have been traveling together. There's nothing in this text that limits that. And so there might have been two guys traveling together who talked each other out of serving this person. So maybe there's a lesson to be learned there that, uh, you know, you don't want to give in to peer pressure and, and not do what you should do. Now, the priest, according to Leviticus 21, if he touched anything dead, would have to purify himself for seven days. So uh, this guy was left for dead. Maybe he appeared dead. Uh, maybe that's why the Levite didn't want to touch him. That's still not a good excuse. Uh, but he didn't even probe him to see. He he was more interested in, in not getting dirty here. Uh, and so that's you know, a picture we don't want to have of ourselves. You know, we're on our way somewhere. We're already prepared. We don't want to get interrupted. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to open up a can of worms that could cost us seven days. 
you know, a lot of times maybe if, you know, it's not too big of an inconvenience, an hour, two hours, half a day, but seven days, what are we going to get into? And isn't it true? Come on, let's just ask ourselves that question. Sometimes we just don't want to dive into people's lives because, hey, this can turn into a seven-day thing. This could be a deep thing. You know, we were not looking for this. We stumbled upon it. Uh, and that's what it is. And by the way, Jesus isn't asking anybody here to build a ministry structure. He's not asking this, the, to start a ministry for, you know, people hit on the side of the road. He's just saying there was somebody that they came across. That's how you love your neighbor. When you stumble across somebody, no pun intended, when you come across somebody who is hurting or it's in need that needs rescued, uh, that can't do anything for themselves, what do you do? Well, in this thing, he's saying that the Samaritan, this is the guy that did the right thing. These guys were on their way to do ministry. They were going their way to Jerusalem and they they didn't have time to do the ministry on the way. So I think that should really challenge us. Uh, you know, one of the other questions we really ought to ask ourselves here is, you know, who's a Samaritan guy? I mean, actually, what is a Samaritan? You know, and to, to why were, why was there such animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews? You know, why was that such a such a big deal? Well, if you remember, there was the tribe of Joseph that got split. You had Manasseh and Ephraim, and then they were they were taken captive. And uh, what happened was they kind of learned the way of the land. They became the the people that got entrenched. They were they were they were Jews, but they were Babylonianized. All right, they were they were very worldly Jews. And then when the Jews came back under Nehemiah and attempted to rebuild uh, the temple. It was the Samaritans, because that's where the tribe of Joseph and Manasseh settled. It was the Samaritans that resisted them. And so a lot of times there's a lesson here that it's worldly Christians that will resist you more than the world will resist you. And that's exactly what happened to Nehemiah. I mean, a lot of the people resisting him there were people that were uh, promised a lot of blessings but they had been so indoctrinated, so accustomed, so beat into submission by the world that there arose tension. And then when that tension went away and they wanted to help, the Jews would not let them help build the temple. So first they resisted them. And then later when they wanted to help, uh, they said, no, no, thanks. We don't want your dirty hands on this. Now, that probably wasn't the right attitude. They probably should have done something, talked to them, sanctified them, had a way for them getting right with God and getting right with the temple leadership. They had resisted. But in fact, that's, uh, you know, that's not what they did. You know, in today's, you know, uh, world, there's this thing about social justice. What is social justice? Social justice is understanding who your neighbor is. It's not having a politically correct view of somebody. It's not starting a new ministry. It's not making a political statement. It's saying, you know what? Kingdom come to earth. When I'm on my way somewhere, I am a, an, an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And when I see somebody that's hurting in need, I'm going to go ahead and touch them 
even though they may have some stigma on them, they may cause me to have to get cleansed. They may cause me to have to do some explaining to somebody. Uh, you know, you may be walking with the priest and the Levite and they choose to do nothing. You know, peer pressure in the church is just like peer pressure in the world. And that doesn't always make it positive. And so maybe the priest and the Levite were walking together and they, and the Levite was the follower of the teacher. The, te you know, the, the priest was a Levite who was a teacher. And so the Levite just followed his example. He maybe gave him a lesson and said, you know, we shouldn't get dirty. That guy could be dead. Or maybe he said he is dead, but he didn't do any personal analysis. He didn't, he didn't touch him. So when we talk about social justice, it should be in the context of touching people, not just acknowledging there's a need. And listen to this not just contributing to a ministry, not just being a mercenary where we pay God off or we give our church some money and say, you take care of it. We say, here's my money, here's my heart, maybe there's something else I can do. But more so than that, it's keeping our eyes open as we're on our way back and forth, as we're going from Jericho to Jerusalem, you know, on our way, you know, which should be all the time to worship the Lord and to make sacrifice, to give back to the Lord, that we're keeping our eyes peeled and we're understanding uh, what is going on around us. So you got the, all these four characters. Jesus picks two religious Jews. He could have picked some other people, but he's really calling them out. And if you really go back to the beginning of the whole story, you know, verse 25, where this lawyer calls him out, Jesus is returned calling him out saying, this is how I, I know you don't love your neighbor. You know, maybe Jesus had a word of knowledge here. Maybe he really knew something about this guy who had passed somebody that was hurting in the ditch. And of course, he asked them the question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said it was the one who showed mercy. So, you know, to be socially aware, to be a good neighbor, to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth, it's requires mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is giving people what they don't deserve, okay? <laughs> when God gives us mercy, he's given us something that we don't deserve. So we gotta be, we've gotta be astute in our principled approach to the people and wanting to give them, you know, uh, fishing lessons instead of a fish, which I'm all about, th there is still room for mercy. You know, as a pastor, you know, we had an alms ministry where we would help needy families. We wouldn't limit that uh, to inside the church. Inside the church was our first priority. Galatians 6 says we should do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So that's where charity started. And I had a little form I would have people fill out and, and I would try to get them to cooperate and do some things and, you know, see if I could really help them. And, uh, but you know, there were some times where I said, okay, this is not going to be a fishing lesson. I'm just giving them a piece of fish and tomorrow somebody else is going to have to do it. That wasn't the way I always did it, but sometimes I did it that way. So what I'm saying to you is to be a good neighbor, there has to be an abundance of mercy that we're willing to share, not mercy that we're not willing to share. If we're willing to share the mercy and God says, this is a time or place and I'm doing something else in that person's life, then that's an okay lesson. But let's understand that just because this Samaritan was ostracized, and there was a lot of tension with them, uh, and of course then they would fight about where they should worship and how they should worship. Remember John 4, that story there? But 
I think there's a lot of Samaritans maybe that could teach us some lessons sometimes. People that are on the outside of the church, uh, maybe people that are backslidden, been Babylonianized even, uh, and sometimes maybe they have some mercy that we should learn about. But let's learn about this and let's really make an impact on the people around us. Hey, this is Keith Tusi. Read this parable in Luke 10. Pick it up in verse 25 and read down there to about verse 38. And uh, I think there's something to be learned. Lord bless you. Today, Keith continued his discussion on what the parables mean. From the parable of the Good Samaritan, we can learn these things. Don't wait until you are in a religious context to serve God. You don't want to give in to peer pressure and not do what you should do. Loving your neighbor looks a lot like ministering on the way to minister. And to be a good neighbor, there has to be an abundance of mercy that we are willing to share. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes, or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.